Hi everyone, my name is Suds. And I'm Sabrina. Welcome, Welcome to, to Zero, Zero Calorie Marketing. Marketing. Today we're joined by Jake and Daniel. Jake is a brand and marketing strategy specialist. And Daniel is a director and co-founder of JDM Social. So these two guys had never met each other until they came to uh, be interviewed by us on our podcast. We talked a lot about social media, freelancing, organizing time and self-management. We also find out that despite being in different points in their career, they had a ton of similarities and a ton of experiences. We had a lot of fun talking to them. And getting to know them. We also found out that Jake owns a ton of caps. Hey everyone, this is Suds. <laughs> this is Sabrina. We're with Jake Medina, Daniel Najafi, and this is Zero Calorie Marketing. Oh my god! <laughs> I'm Daniel, I'm 22 years old. Um, I like to say that I wake up every day with the purpose to empower others to do what inspires them so they can feel fulfilled and do anything that will clear them from concerns. Now, the way I do that is by running a marketing agency that delivers social media and marketing solutions for B2B and B2C. Um, mostly we focus on SMEs. Cool. On the side, just really quickly, I study as well and I have a part-time job. Okay. Be able to pay, pay the bills. <laughs> uh, what about yourself, Jake? Uh, yeah, so I'm Jake Medina. Uh, I am currently a, a freelance marketing consultant. I've worked in marketing in London for the last 10 years almost. Um, and industry-wise, uh, I'm very much kind of an, an FMCG, food and beverage background with a little bit of beauty thrown in there. Um, uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a Welsh man, <laughs> um, living in London, in East London, um, and I'm kind of a self-confessed marketing generalist. Okay. Um, so I don't think it's like, it's sometimes seen as a dirty word, um, but yeah, that, that's me. Right. How did you get into, you know, like, what, why digital marketing? Why, you know, like, how did you get into that? Um, well, I wasn't, like, born a marketer. I'm not the classic, you know, entrepreneur selling while he was six years old and blah, blah, blah. I sort of fell into it because I love to hear stories and tell stories. Mm. And one of my favorite authors or marketers is Seth Godin. Mm. And he has this book saying all marketers lie. And then he has this line, he says, tell stories. So I kind of think of it as based on my idea of liking to tell stories and hear stories. That's how I felt into it. Very practically, I was always, I had an e-commerce store. Hmm. While I was doing that, I was documenting everything online. And then one day, a guy from an organization called Nordic Startup Awards, he reached out to me and said, hey, I've seen your Instagram. Would love for you to take over our Instagram. And basically, just by that, as you said, luck, I guess. Um, I just fell up on that and I understood the industry step by step yeah. and the rest is history I guess. That's great. Um, what about you Jake? You say you're lucky. Yeah. <laughs> Has that, is that like a professional kind of lucky? You know, how did you get into the world of digital marketing? Yeah, so I guess, so basically um, I studied entrepreneurship and marketing, the UK's like first entrepreneurship degree. Um, back in uh, 2009 and I actually ended up like a lot of uh, future marketeers 
having to kind of uh, work in sales at first. Mm. Um, I had a chance to work at uh, Vita Coco, which at the time was the fastest growing mm. drinks brand in Europe. Um, in a sales role, and I guess the luck came into it, I guess, <laughs> where uh, there was an op a chance opening for a, a, a marketeer, and it was kind of a very entrepreneurial brand that was open to letting less experienced people really you know, find themselves there. Um, and so that helped me transition over from sales into a brand mar marketing role, and it's kind of, yeah, my career's taken off from there, I guess. Wow. Um, so Daniel, you do a lot of things. Um, you know, like how do you balance between all the different things that you do, like, um, and also keep um, an online presence? Um, well, one of the things is by having a guy like Joseph here who's filming me. Uh, <laughs> so, for, um, for the record of the for the benefit of the audience, yeah. there's a, a, a Joseph here who's yeah. filming uh, Daniel doing some behind the scenes footage. Exactly. Um, we love a good one. Yeah, we'll include the link on the bio, on the bottom, so you can see the video. That would be cool. I mean, in general, it's something I've always done myself through my phone. Mm. Always like filmed myself while I was doing something. It it had a look. It has and still does look awkward sometimes in situations. Mm. But it's just nice to be able to look back and see how you've grown. But how I manage it is just by waking up early enough and then having my priorities in order. Mm. I don't go out as much and stuff like that. Uh, but I'm not at the boring side either, you know, sure. it's, it's not that I never do, or, yeah, I try to, but some days you have, you have, you're more productive than others, mm -hmm. I think, um, a bit as a freelancer, you, you must know more oh, than anyone. Yeah, exactly, you have to really call yourself into check and make sure that you're, like, yeah, organizing your time and, you, you know, really, yeah, managing yourself yeah. a lot of the time to ensure that you're, you're getting everything done. I mean, I don't know for you, but for me, I always make uh, either weekly or daily to-do list the night before and I like to take things off so I know that I've been productive otherwise you can do a million things and you don't know what you actually done during that day just for me do you keep this in a in a paper format or do you put it on digital yeah, paper or digital on, on the phone I is on okay. the phone 100% because for me I have a list I wish it was a, a daily list it's just a weekly <laughs> list yeah, yeah. actually it's a monthly list <laughs> it's a list <laughs> it's a list and I, I, I like to you know I just put it into paper and for me, I think I get some satisfaction out of literally crossing something off with a pen mm -hmm. yeah. and, you know, it gives me that kind of rush. Um, although, like, having some list is better than having no list. Yeah. And I just find it, it helps me get things done. Do you have a, like, how do you get, make sure your priorities are yeah. um, in um, order? So I've gone the real geeky route um, and I will make sure I use software for it. Yeah. Um, so so it's in... 2.0. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so in the most basic format, I find a Trello really helpful. Exactly. So I've got some clients where I'll, you know, my tasks for them stay on their Asana board, a great tool for project management. Mm -hmm. Um, but generally Trello because I feel I used to email myself my to-do list for tomorrow I kind of from bed the night before <laughs> to help myself sleep yeah. but I've had to move to the point where like, when I leave a desk for the day yeah. I am then done like oh, that's the, that. that's the way I can survive as a freelancer it's taken me a while to work out but you, you know, know like, so I have to leave it there we're digital marketers how do you like I find myself I don't know how you guys are yeah. also Sabrina you know like we we're looking on Instagram almost every two minutes for mm -hmm. professional reasons but you know you're just like sort of slightly go on your own social media in yeah. general I'd say, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, and you know we're behind the desk and you know we're usually behind the computer screen how do you guys manage your time because I you know you both use 
in, you know, social media professionally, mm-hmm. do you have a certain time for yourself or like just, you know, how do you divide the time between the two? Yeah, um, I think for me, I probably spend less time on social media than you do, <laughs> I imagine, if you've got your own content agency. So um, my answer will probably be quicker. Um, Again, it fits within the structure of my day. Um, I very much tend to not look at, um, I I don't check my social media until I get to work, um, wherever work is that day. Um, It's always like, get up, exercise first, feed yourself, and then that is part of work for me. And I've actually found the more that I've used it for brands, the less I use it like personally. So I think I probably uploaded four or five pictures to my own Instagram over the last like six months. But I, I you know, I use it and I find I, I follow like lots more influencers and stuff like that because it's relevant for work. But I kind of, yeah, it's to me, it's become more of a tool for work and less personal, okay. I guess. I get that 100%. Yeah. I mean, for me, I, I kind of emerged into one. It's my everyday life, but it's also work related. I, I kind of feel like I can't tell a client something if I haven't tried it myself. Mm. So I try to test everything. If there's a new app, I try it myself. Especially because we have an influencer side of Aspect, mm-hmm. so we also work with influencers and con- content creation is something that I like within the agency. So one of the software we use, for instance, in terms of before, is ClickUps to like task. And my tasks are, already, are always sort of based on the things that I am expert in, or have, let's say, with quotation. Um, but yeah, every day. Other, other than that, it's just um, on Instagram, Usually, uh, LinkedIn. I'm starting to use much more and more. Yeah. Um, which mm-hmm. I find super fascinating, and I'm actually thinking of starting to share vlogs and videos on LinkedIn instead yeah. of only the classic YouTube mm-hmm. and Facebook. Yeah, so, I mean, for yeah. us, like we spend, I spend almost all my time on LinkedIn yeah. as a default choice of yeah. um, um, social media but I know because uh, Sabrina actually posts uh, content on Instagram and YouTube um, how do you manage the time between you know for yourself you know what to be honest when you're at work it's kind of like that's what you're doing you're at work yeah. and I think personal sort of media comes second yeah. but I think it's been good we've been posting on Instagram on LinkedIn on literally any social media platform there is and I think because we have our analytics set up, getting that click back, getting that, oh, this is, it's really motivational and you kind of just keep pushing and we know we've been doing great. We started our YouTube videos yeah, and yeah. they're skyrocketing. So yeah. 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 I would say, especially like for me within working with like food and drink brands, mm. um, that, you know, we, as brands tend to, they now, you know, brands do understand now they need to be like social first. They don't always know what that means. Yeah. <laughs> but you'll get brands that will invest a lot in content mm. and they'll have an initial strategy for a kind of implementing that across channels. What I then find is that, you know, brands, it's often a second thought who's going to be managing that because yeah. it's, it's such a big task, it like really community is. management. It's all encompassing. You've got like customer service within there. But also, you're trying to drive sales, you're trying to build awareness, engagement, often education through it. It's, you it's know, a it's, team effort, it, yeah. it really is, yeah. And I think it's really it important really to have the right tools and team in place from day one that are happy to manage that. And you know what, with that being said, I think social media and just marketing in general online is such a rapid industry. Everything, there's always something new, something's changing. Mm-hmm. So how would you say you keep up with the changes in the industry? especially with the new pla- new apps, new sort of websites, like how are you staying on top of all that? 
for me, it's just people. I mean, it's obviously, cause even if you're business to business or your business B2C, it's still people you deal with. So how people are interacting or how people con consume stuff is, if you can just somehow analyze that, I'm sure you'll find out also by testing the new platforms that comes out, mm -hmm. you'll be able to sort of, you will never be able to guess 100% this is going to be it. Sure. But you can see, and that's what I meant before when I said, uh, when I say that history repeats itself. Mm. So, um, yeah. 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 For me, ensuring that we stay on top of it, there's a couple of ways we do it. Um, firstly, as a consultant, I think it's really important to have a good network of people with more niche expertise mm. um, or, you know, or not even niche necessarily, but more focused in sure. their approach. So, you know, I work with a couple of like content creators and social media specialists who, you know, are able to stay on that, you know, like nonstop more day to day because for me in my role or, you know, having an understanding and being able to strategize on everything is fine, but to get really in like deep into new platforms and stuff, I think working with partners mm -hmm. and especially with brands, you know, if brands want to grow fast, my advice is always to actually ensure that you're open and receptive to outsourcing or, and, you know, and bringing experts into the business. Yeah. And I think that's really important for any social and content creation. And that helps brands and individuals, you know, we're learning from each other. Um, mm -hmm. So that's one way. And also, like you, you mentioned LinkedIn, I think it's really important that the content that you're being fed is helping you learn. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of the, I, I don't follow many different agencies and brands and experts on LinkedIn, but the ones I do are often feeding me content on social and on different platforms because yeah. that's something that I need to constantly be learning about, you know, and I'm, I'm absolutely not averse as an individual although being a marketing expert myself, to still training. Like I went on a training course the other day about uh, Generation Z and, you know, like went on a master class and it was by an amazing agency and, you know, learn about kind of five or six new platforms that I admittedly yeah, yeah, hadn't yeah. heard of. And then I would kind of felt stupid and I went to other, my peers and they were like, dude, we've all heard of TikTok, yeah, but these five... <laughs> yeah, you know. we were just having a conversation. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I think we, we need to constantly learn from each other, you know. Cool. Yeah. Um, so Jake, sorry, this is one sort of targeted at you. So obviously, speaking of LinkedIn, uh -huh. we went and we checked out your socials mm -hmm. and you had commented about your brand plan and how you redefine that for, for Edgar Cooper. You had done yeah. a bit of work there. Can you tell us a bit more, a bit more about that and how you sort of took that approach? Yeah, totally. So um, Edgar Cooper is a amazing premium pet food brand that I work with. Um, their goal is to uh, have as little as possible um, environmental impact. Mm -hmm. So they use 100% biodegradable packaging, they give 10% back to um, dog charities in less fortunate areas. Um, and it's a really quality product. So it's a, it's a brilliant product, perfectly positioned for the UK. Um, but it's a Belgian brand that has kind of started in a way that's unusual for brands in the UK because it's very much usually a brand is, you know, conceived and developed within the UK market and then taken abroad. So for me, the task was to localize their plan um, to, to activate that in the UK. Um, and the one kind of, I think, one key area in that brand plan that actually worked really well um, was the fact that, you know, it, 
on in the UK, we do have a very high density of influencers. Mm. Um, mm. I know it's such like a gimmicky keyword, <laughs> it feels now use influencer. I'm not yeah. saying that it just works to have you know, these big macro influencers talking about brands. Sure. Um, but one uh, clear thing for us to build brand awareness quickly and amplify our own efforts was to use London, you know, as the hub where there are a lot of influential people. So kind of one exercise we did um, in the early days uh, last year was to, to extend invitations for an event we were running um, to a lot of both uh, doggy influencers <laughs> and just influencers, just people, um, to start attending and kind of introduce the brand with, we weren't asking for anything, we weren't giving anything for it, we were just saying, we're here, we're present, and actually created a really engaging, low-cost event for wow. them where there was a huge benefit for the, the influencers yeah. and and what we found from that event that was really successful we basically did a doggy brunch oh, where cute. um yeah so where you could come to um brunch uh, we did it in a, in a we work we did it in the office free of charge space guys for anyone working in a we work <laughs> yeah. you know you uh, yeah. <laughs> and we had um we basically invited a load of influencers and whilst their dogs were getting groomed by professional dog groomers <laughs> in we work um we had uh, a nail artist and someone to be uh, trim beards uh, that had done nails for the front cover of Vogue. So it was like very appealing. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think we got, a, the target was just to get 10 solid influencers there to really amplify on social. And we got 27. Um, they spent an average dwell time of an hour and a half and we were expecting 20 minutes. The appointments yeah. were only 20 minutes. Um, and that was kind of, that had a potential reach of about 15 million by the end of the day. Wow. So. Um, yeah, it was a great way to kind of start with a bang with yeah. our influencers. So that was one way we really localised and used, you know, the, the benefit of being in London. Um, one just follow-up question for, for you, um, Jake, is like when you went, when you went to sort of localise the mm -hmm. um, plan for the UK, what were your biggest struggles when it came to selling it to the Belgians in a way? Because they may have a different culture or they may have a different approach to things, what was the biggest obstacle and what was the biggest learning that you got out of it? Yeah, it's a good question. I think it is, and you know, like as you just identified, it's really tricky for any head office to kind of, um, you know, to give away, away maybe a bit of control to, you know, other, to other parts, to other countries, to other teams. Um, so it is, a, it is often a difficult sell and certainly the way that we split the budget in the UK is definitely different to how mm. it's definitely a higher digital spend mm. than abroad and there were, you know, we are a, a, a very well established direct to consumer mm. market, mm. you know, we do a lot of our shopping online, mm. um, but I think that, you know, it, you have to be able to evidence everything. So one of the things, you know, it's all well and good having ideas, but when it comes to into selling that to your, you know, your stakeholders, I always make sure every idea that I present is also backed up with rationale. You know, even if yeah. that idea is conceived as a gut instinct, and I think, yeah. oh, that's a no-brainer, or that's obvious, or, you know, I will then go away and find the credentials for that. For that idea and I think that's always I work with so many different stakeholders as a mm. consultant and that's you know I always have that page of rationale and often an example from another brand you know that's in a different category that mm. has already done it pretty well. Oh, wow. yeah, I could imagine that would be powerful. Mm -hmm. Did you use macro or micro influencers? 
Uh, we all, I always try and use a mix. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, and I and you know for that event there was no budget to pay anybody, so mm. it was very much like a gifted event. Um, and yeah, and we had a, a couple of we had a, a you know a, a couple of bigger ones. Um, yeah. But it's always like where where's the difference? But you know there's micro, there's macro, and then there's always a different mm. uh, you know number <laughs> for those people in between. I'm yeah. like, <laughs> there's even yeah yeah the smaller ones as well. Yeah, yeah, but I think that you know micro influencers as an aside is a real you know is. I'm more often more interested in working with that side of things. Nice, yeah. cool. Um, so, well Daniel, <laughs> let's pose some questions to you. Yeah. Um, so, first of all, where do you get your inf uh, inspiration from, and how has social media as a platform helped you? As an individual, as a sort of an agency, both, both, both. Uh, well, inspiration, uh, everything. It can be, you know, my parents, my my own story, and everything. For sure. But like professionally, it's. If I have to name drop them, it's Gary Vaynerchuk, mm -hmm. um, Seth Godin, Simon Sinek. Simon Sinek is my absolute favorite, especially within branding, because I love branding. And as listening to Jacob, you know, it's all about the why. And you, all everybody heard about the Golden Circle, yeah. and everything I do on a project with a client is based around that. A client can talk for me for twenty minutes. I'm going to ask him the same question: is why? And it's based on the philosophy of is if you know why you do what you do, the rest is going to find its place. place. Um, now, that's a whole other conversation and I could talk for hours and I love that. Yeah. And I'm sure me and Jake could actually sit and talk. Totally. I mean, yeah. I've, at the amount of times I've rewatched that video <laughs> with clients, I feel like everyone needs to see the you video. Yeah, right, exactly, watch the head talk. Um, but social media allowed me to talk to people I wanted to talk to. Mm. And that's um, basically everything we also do with an agency. Because sure. when someone, a brand or an influencer want to talk to someone, we need to see who and what is their worldview. If you want to talk to someone who has a different worldview than what you're trying to say, you have to adapt your either product or your marketing strategy to be able to talk to them in the right way. Because we always say we want to talk to people who care. Because if they don't care, they don't trust you, and if they don't trust you, they're not going to buy from you. That's very true. So, so I, yeah. I was reading some of your blog posts. Yes. And yeah, they're your, great. Um, <laughs> how, like, you're quite like, um, you give, you're very open about your background and what you're facing and, you know, the yeah. kind of things you encounter. Where do you draw the line between being, like, a person who represents your company versus mm -hmm. being an individual who's going through, um, some you know like um questions about how who you are you mm -hmm. know like how do you make the distinction between positive positive you know versus yeah. that this is a real struggle that i'm going through um i i took the m, &M approach and that's basically giving everything okay like if i'm trying to hide behind some of my insecurities and blah blah blah, unless it's very very private that's i mean i'm never going to tell someone to tell yeah. you but once you say it out loud what are they going to say mm. you can't get anything returned from that and if you see that clip from that movie, basically when Eminem says everything that's wrong with him, yeah. the other person is muted. Like he can't yeah. say anything. So basically that's the same approach I've done. Just being out loud with, with everything that I'm going through, good and bad. And then in that way, I'll be able to talk to those two groups that I'm trying to talk to, which is other aspiring marketers or entrepreneurs in my age or in my, with my background or whatever, and professionals who actually want some value in terms of like, hey, these are the top three Instagram story strategies for your company as a B2C. You know, it's that kind of mix. Um, maybe I've gone very extreme on sharing everything and I might tone it down, 
Um, but right now I'm testing, just as anything, mm. test and learn. I think that's a really inspiring approach as well. Yeah. I think that, you know, like, like we know that consumers now want more transparency from brands and products. Yeah. Mm. I don't think that, you know, that has to be an exclusive approach for when you're a consultant. And, you know, it's, I think people that, that will hire you will and that hire your agency will appreciate that you know you're transparent and like you said you only want to work with people that care because mm -hmm. it, that's your approach too and i think you know i think it's i think it's better to yeah to really show people who you are so that they get what you know what's on the tin yeah i'm, I'm sure people buy or sign up with you because of you the people I hope it's so. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> marketing boy, like lots of performance marketing behind the scenes. I'm, I'm not doing that at all. Um, I think this is a, a really good question. Where would where do you both see marketing going in the next five years? It is. That's a good question. It's a good question. <laughs> a big one. Um, I think it. I still think it definitely depends on the industry that you're in. True. For a start, um, I think it, it's so such a wide question that you know mm. it, it's just really difficult because there's you know we, we thought a few years ago that you know publishing for example there would still be no benefit in newspapers and magazines and you know the, and the platforms have changed and everything's gone digital and yet still we find that you know things like events and PR that goes into paper you know is that the latter being a great way to you know build brand awareness for a product that's sold in grocery for example mm. you know if it's uh, I don't know within travel or like uh, or certainly beauty we found that yeah and social actually started to like perform incredibly and it all became about performance marketing um, so I think it depends for me personally working within FMCG it is definitely you know it, it's going to become more and more digital um, people are going to have an expectation that not necessarily what they're going to get is more targeted but like smarter I think like I think you know it, it was one thing that you know, if you were looking for trainers all of a sudden, then all of your, you know, the, all of the MPUs and all of the adverts were, were trainers. But if, and people don't really like that, but if, if you're getting content and you're getting adverts that are very specified to you, it is useful, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's handy. And I think that what, yeah, what we'll need to do for, with our brands is just become a lot smarter in our mm -hmm. approach and, and it be very tailored okay. to people. I agree, it's very tailored. I think. I think marketing is going to be, because um, every, everybody's right now, you know, you said the thing about the influencers, you know, you had that many people reached. I think marketing is going to go down and talk to fewer people, but yeah. people who are actually going to buy. Yeah. yeah. When you say it's going to target down, it's going to be targeted yeah, down to I, people yeah. who are more, I mean, care the most yeah. in that sense. And I think digital is definitely going to grow. Um, however, I think that experiential marketing is such a gap and it's such a potential because what do people, I mean, nostalgia, experience are the things, especially around if you're working with SMEs that are within luxury niche, that is what consumers are drawing yeah. attention to. So, I mean, experience, um, smaller audience, but more uh, refined, refined yeah. audience and then digital for sure. I mean. Yeah, I, I, you know, you, you can say so much about it, but I think Jake summed it up really well. I am convinced there was one quick, other no, kind of, that, um, that, you know, the marketing mix has always changed yeah. and it will always develop, but what is more apparent than ever 
is that you know it's the brands themselves have to have a solid purpose exactly. like that's what we're realizing more than ever that you they have to live and breathe their values and you can use the perfect mix that's tried and tested for a product in your category um but i think in the future it won't deliver there's going to be no you know guarantee unless people on every touch point feel like that product that you're selling or the brand or service is genuinely living and breathing its values 100 i was thinking just uh, one thing that Seth Godin always says is about permission marketing and it's such a small thing that people don't realize is after GDPR obviously we have to take yes <laughs> but if you're going to send a newsletter out to people who already accepted and you ask them am I allowed to do this and they say yes those people are so powerful and I think mm -hmm. that's like mm -hmm. an aspect of marketing which he called permission marketing which is super powerful and there's something we've been trying to test out and it's been really helpful because you can actually communicate with people without thinking that spam or something like that. I think if regardless of if that's through texting or if it's through emails or whatever, it's going to be the future. I think that's going to be an element. I agree. In the next five years, at least. Um, one thing from my side is like yeah. <clears throat> when we both reached out to you, or when you reached out to like, and also what you said, you know, you both uh, see yourself as like an outsider. Or maybe, you know, you, when you said, you know, who are you, you know, you started with where you're from and thought you did the same, yeah. um, uh, Dan, you know, do you think that is, that has helped you when it comes to your professional, um, when you're wearing a professional hat? To be an outsider? Yeah. Yeah, because some, uh, usually the point, because we help SMEs, small SMEs in terms of agency, if I have mm. to look at it that way. And usually those clients also see themselves as in kind of an outsider because mm. they're a smaller business. Um, even the CEO sometimes have the same history as me so he can relate. Um, so in that sense, is something that's been helpful and it's been a good touch point to, uh, to address. Yeah, yeah I, I think for me, um, to be honest, I think my degree was in entrepreneurship mm -hmm. and I feel like everybody then expects, there's an expectation you're going to start your own business. Yeah. <laughs> but actually, I do work with just such like inherently entrepreneurial businesses I almost feel like it's kind of the perfect evolution from like my education up to where I'm working now. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I am, I am like by definition the outsider of businesses now because I'm kind of yeah. the consultant. Um, but I, and I think that does help me because I think everyone personally is different and my kind of, you know, I, I take a very honest approach with with people and whether it's brands and I feel like entrepreneurial brands have often got thicker skin and they they kind of want you to be honest mm -hmm. and they want to hear how it is so that we can move forward quickly on how to improve it. Um, so I do feel like an outsider, but I don't anymore have any imposter syndrome that I think sometimes you have, like in the early yeah. earlier days when I was working with Vitacoco, it's an amazing brand and then I went to Estee Lauder, Pucker, and, you know, maybe around Estee Lauder time, I thought, oh, I am a little bit of an imposter. I don't have, you know, the five, eight, ten years experience some other yeah. people have. And then you realize that that's sometimes a benefit. And actually, you know, marketing moves so quick. One of the things I realize, especially now that, you know, Gen Z have so much buying power, mm -hmm. is, God, the amount of companies that could do with actually somebody, yeah. like a Gen Z in the business, yeah. like even on work experience right now. So sometimes it's not especially as we move forward, it's not about, you know, years experience. It's about yeah. how connected you are right now, right now. with the tools and the 100%. network. Um, so I don't feel so much of an outsider in London, to be honest. Especially around age. I'm, I'm, 
I mean, in my case, I'm 22, and sometimes meeting a, a CEO or someone responsible for marketing who are like 52, and they have to look at someone 22 to take over their mm. what they are maybe outside uh, outside as for. Social media could be an element in their business that they feel outside of, outside from. And for me, is I'm we are very focused on you know businesses have to focus on being on their business, not in their business. Yeah. And in that sense, sometimes the social media aspect and stuff like that can provide that from happening. Yeah. No, but you know, like what you guys said, we, we have the same approach where we're not, <clears throat> when we go and pitch to businesses, it's mm. not pitching to a company that sells X, Y, it's pitching to the individual who will mm -hmm. help us grow as an organization because we're a small company. Uh, but for us, it's more important that person is open-minded, regardless of age or background, yeah. because they will be willing to work with us and come, you know, when we pitch new ideas to them, they're like, oh yeah, maybe we should yeah. do this. Um, so that's something we have in um, common. Yeah. Uh, one question, I know we're sort of running out of time here, mm -hmm. like, um, you can keep this as short as you would like. <laughs> okay. um, what's the first thing you ask um, your client before you start working with them? Maybe, uh, Jay, um, Daniel, you can go first. Well, the first thing I ask them? Yeah. Um, well, if it's not why, yeah. um, why they want to do it, uh, it would probably be who do you want to talk to? Okay. Um, and you sort of work backwards uh, from that to yeah. make yeah. the message. Then if I know who they want to talk to, it can be everything from very specific Facebook ads targeted to them, or it can be changing a strategy, what they already have, changing the way they produce their products or something. It, it's very based on their answer because it's never a fixed thing. It's mm -hmm. always bespoken based on what's needed and what's the end goal. So we have this thing, I'm going to make it short, ABC model, like A, where you are, C, where you want to get, B is the middle point. Like from here, that would eventually, if that works out, you would be given to C. So there's different strategies. For this, right? Cool. Yeah. Um, for me, it probably goes against everything that we hear, like business leaders and all the, all the positive stuff. Um, but, you know, my role is often to fix things or improve things. And, you know, whether it's a company's grown so quick that they haven't put the process in place. And it's often fixing something because of a very positive uh, environment where, you know, it's grown too quick or, the, you know, the team's grown quickly or we've overlooked something and now it's an immediate concern. Um, so I always ask, what's the problem? <laughs> what's the problem? I'll ask the founders and then I'll ask every stakeholder before I give any feedback on what I think. It's not about my opinion. I make sure I've got the whole team's what's the problem. And then I take the Tim Cook approach, I think it is, of saying, you know, the way I see it is. Because it's a diplomatic way to mediate a situation and move forward. No, for us, the first thing we ask our clients is like, how much money do you have to spend? That's <laughs> <laughs> oh, a good one. Yeah. Get to the point. In all fairness, do you, do you, Sam, I kind of feel like what the way we did in the early stages of the agency, we really wanted to get busy. So we just said yes to everyone. Yeah. Like yes to this, yes to this, anything. But what we found out that either we couldn't deliver the work because we just said yes, mm. or we were not proud of what we delivered. Mm. So what we changed now is basically we want to do good work for people we actually believe in. So we're going to say no to much more people. Exactly, but yeah. That's just true. with those we have, we're going to be able to focus 100%. And I'm sure it's the same with Jake. I mean, yeah, it's you know. so important because you find yourself always going above and beyond, right? Yeah. We all know that for my clients. And, you know, a, a really good friend of mine who's an amazing consultant in the social space actually once said to me, you know, be generous with your time whenever you have it. Like, yeah. if you've, you know, 
if you, you've got clients for four days of the week, spend that fifth day going above and beyond for the ones you believe in. But you only want to do that when you've got the right clients, and it is important. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's better results for you, especially. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, you get clients coming back to you because you've created this bond, this form, and you know what? Rather have your group that you trust, that trust you, that mm. you know you can keep working with. Yeah. and having all these new people come in on 100% search and all. You know, we did our vision document the other day and one of the things that kept on coming back was let's turn work away for people who don't want us to mm. uh, create. You know, create. Let's be mm. proud of everything we do. Yeah. Where and everything that lines up, you know, you have your morals, your principles, yeah. everything. Sure. Exactly. Yeah. For us, that was like almost a breaking point of like, we sat down as a team and we thought, okay, you know, uh, one of the things that one of our colleagues said was like, we should do everything that we would be proud to post on our Instagram. And although it's, you know, it's in, you know say what you were one about Instagram, but, you know, the point he was making was we should be proud to stand back and stand behind everything that we give, uh, deliver to our clients. And with our really, name on it. Yeah, with yeah. our name on it. Yeah. Yeah. Because life's too short to just, you know, like sometimes you need to take on work because you need the money. But once you get to a certain stage, I mean, you could say, you know, you just wait along for the right opportunity. But for us, it's like, uh, we have been very lucky to have good clients and they sort of almost fell into our radar in a yeah. way. And we are happy to work with the clients that we work with. Yeah. And sometimes we're in a fortunate position to turn a work away and then just go for the right kind of thing. Can I get to that, uh, say something on that point? Sure. It's just, uh, there's a story about this agency, I'm not gonna say the name, but they won a lot of awards. And they got to the point where people were like, now they were, you know, requesting, can you do our work and work? And then what they did, which I thought was the best branding thing they've ever done, they set a limit. We're only gonna take, I don't remember the number, let's say 100 clients. And if you're not a good client, we're gonna get, you, get rid of you. The amount of people that was queuing to get in the list of being with this client, being with this agency, was huge. Because they could sit in a meeting being with someone they didn't, you know, they get along with and be like, well, it's fine, if you're not gonna fix this, we have 200 other, uh, companies waiting in line to get to become a, a part of our hundreds. So that's also like saying no to people is also sometimes a branding decision. Mm -hmm. That's really interesting. Um, Go on, expose the name. <laughs> <laughs> it's years back and I think, um, yeah. What we're going to do next, this is just to sort of conclude, um, how can people find you uh, yeah, if they want to work with you? So this is a time to give you... Our last answer. question, yeah. how can we contact you? Amazing. Um, well, <laughs> go ahead, Jake. Oh, seven four six. I the best place is LinkedIn. Um, it's the quickest. It's yeah, it, it pops straight up on my phone. I actually think, shockingly, my Instagram's set to private. Um, it's just a lot of pictures of me in various baseball caps. It's very boring. Um, in various places around the world. Not it's not cool. Same baseball cap. Uh, lots of different ones. I've got twelve pink ones. So, um, but uh, LinkedIn, please, uh, Jake Medina. Um, I am in a cap in my picture. So, surprise, surprise. Guy in a cap. yeah. Well, uh, for me, uh, there, I mean, I'm on every social media platform. But I would say, in terms of getting, Instagram. Daniel Najafi. Uh, if not, just our company website, uh, jdmsocial.com. And on there, I'm, I'm constantly looking and like we, we're very dynamic in that sense. So Great. Well, yeah. thank you very much for that. Yeah, thank you. Uh, so this is the bit where we get to know you guys personally. We're going to ask you both uh, 20 questions um, and you should answer as honestly and as quickly as possible based on what you think. Um, 
Danny, why don't you go first? Beach or city break? Beach. Beach. Uh, card or cash? Uh, card always. Card. <laughs> okay. uh, what about morning, noon, and or after, or evening? Sorry. Uh, definitely the evening. Morning. Morning. Okay, yeah. morning person. Uh, favorite movie? Uh, ooh, possibly Forrest Gump. Oh, okay, that's a good one. Very nice. That's good. Classic. Um, Catch Me If You Can by Leonardo DiCaprio. That's also a really good one. Oh. I watched that quite recently. Uh, favorite place you've ever been to? Oh, favorite place on um, Iceland. Oh, wow. Um, I was about to say London. I agree with you. Yeah. <laughs> favorite cheese. He knows how to please the audience. <laughs> uh, favorite cheese, Manchego. Oh, okay. Protein cheese. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, what is your spirit animal if you have one? Uh, spirit animal. Um, I don't think I have a spirit animal, but I may be able to think of like a dead person. That is, okay, like, like, I know what I love that. Let's go with that. That's a great one. Yeah, I, I'll leave it with me. Okay, sure. <laughs> um, I'm a Scorpio, so I'll just say a Scorpio. Scorpion. Yeah. Okay, all right. Uh, who would you play? Or who would you have play you in a film? Oh, that's a good question. Maybe a fellow Welshman. Um, uh, who's a good actor that's... There's that guy that plays Lucifer in, on the Amazon series. Oh, he's quite good. Actually, like, quite upgrade, like him upgrade yourself, right? <laughs> oh, that's a tough question. It is quite tough, yeah. uh, I'm Persian myself, so someone who's also from Iran, that would be amazing. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, hmm. Oh, Pepsi or Coke. Quite a quite a big one here. Oh, uh, neither. 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 Oh, that's no. a good. One. Neither either. Neither. Okay. Yeah. What would your preferred drink be then? Uh, a kind of ugly. Oh. Actually, okay. a big ugly fan. Does it have to be a brand? Uh, whatever you because want. Because water with uh, lemon. Water with lemon. That's a good one. That's a classic. Um, Someone's fault. <laughs> uh, let's see. Summer or winter? Uh, probably summer, mm. just for the wardrobe. London summer? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no, don't even talk about it. It's raining outside just for yeah. the benefit of the audience. <laughs> uh, summer 100%. Summer 100%, yeah. I agree. Um, okay, describe yourself in three words. Uh, kind of lucky. Oh, that's a good one. Uh, happy and uh, loud. I love that. Love that. Yeah. Um, passionate. Uh, that's a Scorpio trait. Um, <laughs> kind. Kind. And uh, thoughtful. That's a good one, I like that. Think too much sometimes. Though. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, in one sentence, how would you sum up the internet? Ooh, getting serious now. Let's get serious. <laughs> yeah, um, it's, I, I think it's a pretty complex, potentially scary, but very interesting thing. I love that. That is 100% on the dot. Can I just have the question again? Describe the internet. The How internet. do you describe the internet? The World Wide Web. Um, history repeating itself online. Oh, Ooh, yeah, that's a good take. Deep. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, should we go for the, the last one, the, the teeth and fingernails? 
Oh yeah, you go for it. Okay. <laughs> oh, no, I think I've been here before. <laughs> Would you rather have no teeth or no fingernails? Definitely no fingernails. I have very little in terms of fingernails right now. Teeth are important. Okay. Yeah, I would say my mom's a dentist, so I, I, I have to go with no. See, no. Yeah. You see, I say no fingernails. Really? Because you can always get dentures, but what do you have to replace fingernails? Fake nails? No, yeah. they don't stick onto skin. That's <laughs> okay, my well, argument. Yeah. That's a new market. <laughs> And that's a wrap. Be sure to check out some of our other episodes. Thanks for listening.